There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting technique, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 124. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Oberhofer. The indie pop musician has returned after a six-year hiatus with his brand new record, Smothered. In today's episode, we're speaking with Brad Oberhofer about why it took so long for his musical return, working with guests King Princess and Shamir, and contributing music to Bojack Horseman. Here we go. Our guest today is a songwriter and producer based out of Los Angeles. Having graced the indie rock world with records like Time Capsules 2 and Chronovision, He's finally returned after a lengthy hiatus with his fourth studio record, entitled Smothered. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Brad Oberhofer from Oberhofer. Hello. How are we? I'm so good. Just another uh, beautiful rainy day in Los Angeles today. I love it. (laughs) It's a rare occurrence to my understanding that uh, LA sees some rainy days. Yeah, I love it so much. It's such a relief every time. I'm like, ah, oh, finally moisture in the atmosphere. <laughs> it is It is a beautiful city, and I imagine that there's, um, it is always kind of pretty or uh, there's a certain, like, beautiful aspect to a city when it's covered in, you know, a little bit of grey and rain, and I imagine that that does extend to LA quite well. Yeah, it's kind of magic. It's like I can feel that the plants are thriving, and I'm like, okay, I feel good now too. It's like my uh, thirst thirst in my spirit is quenched by the rain. (laughs) That's a lovely way to put it. Lovely. (laughs) Um, Brad, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, We are here to talk about the new record that you put out at the end of last year, Smothered, but before we get to that, uh, I guess, Happy New Year, and how has the new year been for you so far? Um, the new year has been really interesting. I mean, I worked so hard going into the end of the year. It was like, before I like sent my last emails, I like hit my head on the keyboard and like reached for the space bar and was like, okay, <laughs> I'm done for the year. And um, yeah, trying to like get back into things. I like, I find myself like, putting away all my emails and not being able to look at them and just being like, I'm going to go for a walk or like, like a a couple days ago, (laughs) I I walked 24 miles. All right. Um, I just, uh, I just like couldn't focus or think. And I was like, I couldn't sleep. It was like five in the morning. And um, I texted a friend and we just embarked on a really long walk to the ocean. 
Um, so we, uh, yeah, we left at six in the morning while it was still dark. And then we walked all the way down sunset until it hit the ocean and just had this beautiful day and went swimming. And there was an incredible, incredible thing that happened. We walked by this, past this woman because we had two rules. One was that you can't look at the time. And one was that no maps allowed. <laughs> and so we ran into this woman and we were like, do you know if, if this street actually connects with the ocean? And she was like, yeah, actually there's this place that's this beautiful meditation center with a pond and, and swans. And we went to this place and uh, it was closed. And on the gate, it said pedestrian entrance to the side. And I went to this pedestrian entr entrance and there was one of those little punch codes for the gate. And I tried to open the door and it wouldn't open. And then this like, I had this instinct that was like, oh, try this code. And so I entered these like four numbers that just came to me and it unlocked the gate. <laughs> and then we opened this gate and walked down and we were the only people in this place. And there was this huge lake with swans and like, a golden temple and like, like a, a, a huge windmill and like a waterfall. And then, um, yeah, that was really amazing. And I've been having these days where I try to focus and I do something to just like, to just like let myself go and let myself relax and give myself to the day. And these incredible, like random, amazing things have been happening when I just kind of let go of the day. I love that. I feel that stories like that and, and even situations like that, where you just kind of leave it up to fate, universe, whatever you, whatever kind of force you want to call it. But, um, there's a free, there's, yeah, there's a power to being that free. Yeah, there is. It's not easy to do because you have to, you know, do things like pay your rent and then live and, and keep working and, you know, <laughs> keep making, keep making things. But sometimes that just gives you the reset that you need. hundred percent. All about a balance of doing it. And then obviously still maintaining, uh, what you need to do to keep life going. But yeah, yeah. there is definitely a power to it. Um, Brad, we're here to today. <clears throat> excuse me. We're here today to talk about the new record from Oberhofer, which is called Smothered. Uh, came out in November, mate. This is a gorgeous album, sonically beautiful. Thank you. Of course, it is. Um, it is the first new music that we've had from you in a while. I think about six or seven years, if I've done my math correctly. Um. I guess if you're okay to talk about it, what was the the gap between records like and, and what brought you back to, to being able to want to play music? Well, it's been really interesting. So that was a really long gap for a number of reasons. Um, but I was on kind of like a more major label um, that you know, had a lot of resources, but part of the deal was that they got to approve your music before you could put it out. And I, um, I always have made experimental music, you know, like all of my songs, like my early demos and everything kind of like, it's all in the spirit of experimentation and of wanting to make something that feels new to me and make something that feels like, like I'm, 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 you know, like forging a new path in terms of my like music that I've ever heard, you know? Um, and that's always been what gives me satisfaction in music, making like kind of like pop songs that feel fun for me to like get stuck in my head, 
but also that feel like something that's never been made before. And I think that I kept doing that and the label wasn't into it or they didn't believe in it or they didn't have faith in it because, you know, if you have like a powerful manager that like manages like Lady Gaga or something and they're like, hey, listen, label, this is the future of music. Then the label's going to be like, okay, cool. We believe you, Mr. Like millionaire manager guy. But if you're like just a, a person who like isn't necessarily like super capitalistic, isn't necessarily like super mainstream music minded and your manager isn't that way, the label is just not going to believe it if they're like a major label. They're going to like they're going to like trample all over you and they're going to be like, this isn't good enough. We don't believe in this. We are not going to put funding into it. So I was kind of stuck in this deal where I was not able to release the music I wanted to. And it felt so wrong to try to compromise and make music that didn't feel like me. And it's just something that I just can't even do. I can't really, I, I'm not capable of it. So basically I was just stuck not releasing music. I made tons of songs. I made hundreds of songs in the last like six years, Mm -hmm. but haven't released that many of them. And also, like, when you make an album, you want it to be cohesive. And also, you don't want to release those songs that maybe nobody will like or that don't aren't good enough or something like that either. You don't want to waste people's time. Because, as you know, nobody has an attention span anymore. So you've got to make sure that if you do release a body of songs, that it's focused. And um, so I made one version of Smothered that the label kind of rejected and wanted me to work with these various producers on. And I just kind of was like, I don't like the way this is going. I um, I think that we need to part ways. I need to just release music freely. I didn't even know if I was ever going to make like an album again, you know, because if if uh, I'm just releasing it into the world kind of in a vacuum where no one's going to hear it, then I might as well just like share it with my friends or keep it to myself and not like try to make it into like a public thing anymore, you know? And, uh, yeah. but what happened was... Um, I left the label and I had been doing these like Instagram live things, like playing piano for people um, every night. Kind of when the pandemic started, I did like 115 nights in a row. And um, I got a message from this guy, Ross, who started this label, Telefono. And he was like, hey, um, I've been a fan of yours for eight years and I'm wondering why you haven't made any music. And I'm like, well, um, I have a lot of songs, but I just don't really have money to like, actually make the album sound the way I want it to. And then he was like, okay, will you, would you want to put out your record with me and I will help you make your record? And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? You're a really nice guy. You seem like you really care. So Ross is a really sweet guy and he really cares about my music. And, and uh, he wanted to put it out. And I was doing these live videos and I was just playing piano for people. And everybody was so nice and sweet to me. And it seemed like, people it would would value it if i released music again and it put it in perspective that like maybe this is like definitely what i'm meant to do is like release music to share with people and not just keep it to myself so it felt really nice that uh it there was meaning for other people um because i make music for me a lot you know it's like i like it makes me feel good it it it, it's how i like express myself or whatever but so people seem to have value from it. And then I was like, cool, we're going to make this record. And I recorded it with one of my best friends, Jonathan Rado. 
And um, I love making music with him because we just like get crazy and we kind of like speak the same language and we come up with like a million weird ideas and no ideas is too stupid or weird to just try. And, um, and then I mixed it with my friend, Andrew Sarlo, who's really fun to be around and we had a really good time and, uh, got to record, got invited a lot of people that I really admire to come be on the record and sing on it or play instruments. And I just was like, this might be my last album ever, so I'm going to have fun making it, and uh, I'm going to incorporate people I admire so that it's something I could look back on forever and be like, that was really fun. I'm really proud of making that. 100%. Um, I feel like this album kind of does almost have the feeling of, not that it's like crazy wild out there music like it is still within the the regular soundscape of yourself in terms of like uh, like indie pop or dream pop or indie rock but um it, it the songwriting does have like a feeling of like a man who is is there's some freedom kind of uh radiating through those songs that you are kind of doing what you want to do and not really taking um not taking heed, but what is what is the expression that you're not re- you're you're doing what you want to do, leading your own path instead of kind of following something else set out for you. That's I'm glad that it feels like that. That was definitely my definitely what I was exercising in that was that I have freedom to do anything. It definitely definitely comes across. Yeah. The um the guest list that you were referring to before is is quite impressive. Um, in terms of the friends that you got to come on, because we've got, just trying to remember off the top of my head, we have uh, King Princess, Shamir, I think um, John C. from Sigur Ross, uh, Teddy Geiger and Nick Valenci from The Strokes all kind of have helped contribute to this album in some way or another, whether it be performing, playing, writing. Um, when you're building these songs and creating them and looking and thinking this could use, I think on the... Um, the King Princess song when she's singing uh, vocals with you, are you thinking like in your mind, are you approaching it? Like I should get King Princess on this song or is it that you think it could help with a, another female voice? Or like how do you work out who's going to help or contribute to what song? So um, all, all of these things kind of like have stories, like these contributions, like, these people, for instance, with, with King Princess, like I had written that song, Dreaming of You. That was one of the first songs in the album that I wrote. Um, I think I wrote it in like 2017. And um, I always wanted a female vocal on the song. And Michaela and I actually go really far back. So she was, I recorded my first album, Time Capsules, at her dad's studio in New York. And she was there. So, you know, she and I go really far back. And, you know, she told me she and her dad used to listen to my music together in the car. And uh, her her dad's awesome and she's awesome. And, um, yeah, it was like, how cool would that be? How full circle would that be to have Michaela on this song? And uh, I just really like her. And we've, like written some music together and like played music together a lot. I played keyboards in her band a couple for a couple of shows. And, um, 
yeah, like some of those, they all have stories like like that. Like Nick Valencia, I play keyboards in his band, and actually Nick Valencia is the reason, a lot of the reason why I learned how to play guitar, um, because I heard Reptilia on the radio, and I was like, damn, guitar music is cool. I should learn how to play guitar, and uh, <laughs> and um, so I wanted him to play on that song because uh, I admire him so much, and. Um, I grew up listening to Sigur Rós a lot and had a lot of catharsis through Sigur Rós's music. And um, Yonsi and I met at a party through Caroline Polacek and made plans to go on this beautiful hike and um, had like the most amazing day together. And I really wanted him to sing on a song because I love his voice. And um, I kind of had like a falling out with a friend where we got in a fight and he later as like a form of like trying to make a make up um because i always i never want to be on bad terms with anybody and he wanted to make up too and uh he sent me this song by teddy geiger that i had never heard and uh i loved the song and i listened to it on repeat and then i just reached out to her and was like hey like i really love your music and was wondering if you wanted to sing on the song and uh they all kind of have these like really sweet stories. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of depth. Every single song has like a really elaborate story behind it and a lot of meaning to me. And the features all are from people that hold meaningful places in my, in my life and my story. hundred percent. I'm, I'm curious with all of those kind of songs and you telling these stories uh, before you mentioned that, the previous label kind of declined a, a earlier version of Smothered. That earlier version compared to like what we've been able to enjoy for the last two months out in the world, um, is there much difference between the songwriting of those? Like did much change or did you kind of keep it mostly as is? I usually go through little like phases of songwriting, like in little groupings, like, like there are a couple of songs, like I usually am in a zone for like a week and I write three or four songs while I'm in that mindset and they come out really similar. So on the original version of Smothered, there's like another song that kind of sounds a lot like Dreaming of You that I didn't put on this record. And uh, on, you know, like there's another version of a song that sounds like What Does It Mean To Me that wasn't on this last album. And like, there are, yeah, the, the songwriting's similar, but but in different phases too. Like the original version of Smothered has about 60% of the same songs as this one. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Or I mean, six, yeah, six of them, I think, are the same. Blinking an eye, all I want, dreaming of you, let it go. Yeah. Six of them are the same. I'm very curious when it comes to the, I guess, or I don't want to say it's an ordeal, but with the parting of ways with your label, after that, did you find any trouble in, in songwriting in terms of like your own ability to not, not doubting, not sorry, not us doubting your own songwriting skills, but I guess, the label have signed you for your skills for the previous work you've put out and then for them to turn around and not, I imagine that it, that it might've been difficult to kind of work out exactly where you stand in the work that you're doing. Yeah, it was really difficult. I mean, the label had been kind of known to reject people's music, you know, like Donald Glover had kind of gone really public about, about issues that he'd had with the label. And I, understand it you know like the label head is this guy that i actually really admire a lot who i miss even i'm like damn this this person means a lot to me you know the head of the label this guy daniel glass i like this guy and he means a lot to me as a person and but the the mode is very much like we are functioning as a label and we need you to make something that we can guarantee is it just wasn't the way I wanted to work, you know? And, yeah. And, uh, it, it messed with my self esteem like so severely because my music is just a direct line between my self and, uh, my art, you know? Um, it's, it's just me being myself is what all of my songs are. And when someone's just perpetually rejecting it and saying it's not, commercially viable. Yeah. It makes you feel untalented. It makes you feel like you're not anything special and it makes you feel like your essence is not appealing. It's not, you know, nothing wrong with not being marketable. Right. Cause things that are marketable are awful. A lot of the time, you know, like some of the worst <laughs> things in the world are marketable, you know, like, 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 you know, you know, what's more marketable than anything. Big Macs and milkshakes, you know, like, like, you know what I mean? Like fast, fast food is more marketable than anything. Like, like, um, 100%. it's, it's just, it's just, you know, there's nothing wrong with not being marketable, but what I like is making choruses that don't, is not, aren't like marketable, but that are like, that like, uh, cr- can create like a, a bond or something. I don't know. It's like, I have like, feel like I, I like, I really like it when I have something that I want to express in music and it seems like people relate to it. Uh, it. It makes me feel like connected to people in a cool, in a 
way. But anyway, yeah, it messed with my self-esteem. I went to like a lot of therapy to like believe in myself and like went through a lot of phases of making music that when I look back on it now feels really contrived. Like I was trying to bend to what they wanted me to make, you know? And when I listen back to that, I'm like, God, that was so bad. Um, but now I'm much more in a mode of just doing what feels like me again. And it took a long time for sure to get back there. Do you think those, um, those nights that you spoke about before the 115 consecutive nights on Instagram, do you think that kind of helped in terms of just finding yourself or seeing, I guess, support from people and that you are, what you're doing is, is not even has worth. Cause of course it has worth, but like that there are people that do have that faith in you and in, in what you're making. I definitely do. Um, it's really interesting. There, there are so many different, I, I learned so much from that. First off, it was the beginning of quarantine. So a lot of people were struggling and going through stuff and, and having a really difficult time. But then also, um, um, I was going through something too, you know, it was a really complicated time for people being trapped inside and I would log in and the same kind of people would consistently log in with me and I would learn everyone's names and what they were going through. And people would be like, Hey, you know, like my, my friend died or like I got kicked out of my house or like I got into college or like, it's my birthday or like, well, like I was supposed to go do this, but I can't anymore. And learning all these things about everyone and kind of talking together and everyone was so sweet to each other too, and really connecting. And there were a couple of like different group chats that formed that, that I was like a part of where people were just like talking on the thread and, and being supportive towards each other and connecting through such a difficult time. And, uh, it, it taught me that not only, not only like, yeah, maybe the people liked the music enough to sit there and, and, and listen to it and, and be around it. But music is, is like sort of a, a grounds for people to connect with each other and to like empathize with one another. If you're listening to the same song, it's because it enables you to find catharsis through a similar feeling to someone else that maybe connects with the same song. And it's like an in, in, in emotional junction between people, you know, a, a song is like almost like a singular point of a very specific feeling. And when a lot of people get together who like listening to the same song, you know, I think that that's another aspect of music where I was like, Oh, it's not necessarily about people supporting me, but it's about the fact that like, as far as like things I have to offer in life as a person in the world, I can offer people maybe like a, a place to um, navigate their own feelings, you know, in 100%. a way in which they're not alone in that, you know, that kind of is what it felt like. Yeah. hundred percent. I think that's a spot on kind of feeling lately in terms of music and how it's being received or how people are perceiving it is that, that it is, it's not a, it's not a through line, but it is kind of what you said, like the fact that people and numerous people can have that one connection with the same thing all at the same time while being able to, I don't know, connect or express or whatever it may be. Um, 
which I just think is a beautiful kind of way to look at music. One thing I was hoping you'd indulge uh, me and Brad was I wanted to talk about a Sea of Dreams, which some people might know your music from, um, talking about connecting to music uh, from one point. Uh, this song soundtracked, I think, one of one of the most talked about or famous TV episodes in the last maybe five or six years. Um, for those who are listening to the podcast who don't know what we're talking about, uh, the song was the soundtrack to the end of the BoJack Horseman TV episode where there was almost, I think, no dialogue spoken throughout the entire episode um, and was based underwater. When they approached you for something like that, what was the kind of, um, I guess, how did they approach you and, and what was the thought of being able to contribute to this kind of um, more now iconic episode? Um. It was really cool. That song, um, that song was really meaningful for me. Um, it's like a song that I produced on my own and recorded it on tape without a metronome and, uh, just like played all the instruments. And, uh, yeah, there's this guy, um, there's this guy, Andrew Lug Oldham, who produced the first like seven Rolling Stones albums. <laughs> who like gave me a little bit of advice and was like, you need to start with like a baseline at the front. And like the song just has so many interesting, like just like um, different po points of meaning for me. And, and um, Andy Gowan, the guy that was the music supervisor at Bojack Horseman, um, he was trying to figure out a song for this episode. And he was listening to my album while he was running and he said that he kind of had this epiphany. He was like, oh, this song is perfect. And then they um, called me and had me come to the animation studio and meet everybody and um, showed me the episode while they were working on it. And, uh, yeah, it was really special. And it was so cool to feel so included. And they, like, you know, they, like, gave me, like, a special BoJack Horseman coffee mug. And, like, you know, I got some... <laughs> it just felt really special. And it just is cool when, you know, like you get your song put in like some random like like sitcom TV show that you've never heard of and you're like, fine. But when it's a show that has so much meaning and the people who are working on it really care about it and it comes from an honest place and the writing is like responsible and the writing is honest, um, it's really mm -hmm. meaningful. And it, it just felt cool that that such a such an, a, a beautiful episode you know, was something that I got to be a part of, you know. hundred percent. I think it's, um, well, it is a gorgeous song and it, it, it fit the, the mood of the episode quite well. So thank you for allowing me to ask about that. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Brad, usually we would ask our guests, uh, what they're currently listening to. Is there any, uh, album or single at the moment that's kind of taking your fancy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Um, as far as like a songs that I'm like listening to, um, there's this song. So I was in Venice. Um, I'm trying to find. So I was in Venice. Um, I went through my friend Drew Erickson was playing keyboards with Neon Indian, and I was doing musical direction for this Spanish artist in Madrid, and um, he was in Artesia, and we met in Rome. 
I went through this terrible breakup and and we went on met in Rome and went on this road trip throughout Italy and we were in Venice and um, I was in a little antique store and I bought a bunch of really old 45s that were really dusty and kind of like scratched and I found one song in one of these 45s from Italy that I love um, and I've been listening to this song it's been stuck in my head constantly and it's this song called Marianne M A R I A N N E um, by Sergio Indrigo and uh, I've been listening to that song a lot it's really good and beautiful and has a beautiful instrumental part um, and then I also just bought um, uh, Another Green World on vinyl and I had never listened to that album all the way through the Brian Eno album um, but it's really good it's so crazy and I listened to um, Devo Freedom of Choice the other day. Oh, nice. Do you find yourself when you do go record shopping, do you have like a certain method of how you pick what you'll buy or is it just kind of what feels right when you're kind of like flicking through the, the records? It's really funny. Like you do get like instincts and you do have like a weird gravitation towards different albums. And sometimes you don't really know why you're buying something, but you're like, I guess I'll listen to it. And um, sometimes you're like, you really luck out, and other times you're like, damn, I really don't like this. Well, but yeah, <laughs> it's only uh, an instinct thing. Hundred percent. I am um, not to wrap this up to take it back to what we're talking about before, but um, years ago, record shopping and came across the cover for Tuck. Tuck by Sigur Ross um, mm-hmm. and Yonsei. Yeah. Had never heard of them and that cover just is so, I don't know, I find that cover still very intriguing and I'm glad that it wasn't a, um, a regretful purchase. It was a purchase I was very happy with. Oh, yeah. It's an amazing album. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brad, thank you very much for your time today. Congratulations on Smothered. Um, it is a beautiful record. It is out now. We'll make sure we put it. Uh, links in the in the show notes for people to go and buy the record but um yeah congratulations again thank you so much it was wonderful talking to you and that's our show a massive thank you to brad oberhofer for his time smothered is out now and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record we also want to give a huge shout out to dave at diamond creative services for helping out with today's interview If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Wednesday and Friday morning, and we now have a Patreon, which you can find within the show notes of this episode. You can also follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.